Hi, welcome back to Rate That Album, back and forth album review between myself, Joseph Fremming, and my good friend, Paul Muad'Dib. Paul, are you red? Why? I am red. Why? I still don't understand that, but it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. This week, uh, Paul spun the wheel on the wheel of shit and landed right on uh, the 1985 album Cut the Crap by a once legendary band, The Clash. Uh, Paul, uh, what are your thoughts on The Clash? I, I, I became a fan of them, and I can talk about that after you. What, what's your relationship with this band? Um, so I hung out with punks, uh, at the Java joint and, um, I was a big fan of, of punk in general and the clash being one of them though, in the terms of punk, I've always considered the clash as an outlier of punk, just because when you listen to them, it's not that standard classic, what you think is punk in my mind, like. I don't think of it um, like the Vandals or say, um, you know, um, God damn it. I know all these punk names and they're just eluding me right now. Um, po- point is, is that the Clash to me was always kind of an outlier that dabbled in punk, but wasn't really punk. Does that make sense? Yeah, they were the they were the the punk band, the first wave that kind of just said, this is too limiting and really just expanded more on expanded musically more than probably any other punk band mm-hmm. in history. Yeah. I think that's why they generally, when people talk about like the greatest punk bands of all time, Clash is usually number one with a bullet. Yep. And among among the pure punk scene, they were considered traitors. Yes. I remember that very well as some of the punk groups. I remember a conversation um, and uh, with a guy named Drew who was a gutter punk that I hung out with. And um, he talked about how The Clash was just a big a finger to punk music and basically killed punk in the punk, in, the, in his eyes. Yeah, and uh, that's a uh, so we'll let's talk a little bit about that because that's this is where <clears throat> so punk kind of sprung out of a reaction to uh, stadium bands. Uh, basically, it grew out of like people just. Wanting go moving out of the garages and finding clubs in the late seventies and make being more inter, uh, interactive with the audience more you know more aggressive than say bands like Pink Floyd or Boston or Yes it was very much like you know it was a reaction to what was popular at the time and uh, the Clash came out of that but the thing is punk really became stagnant. Due to these people, uh, they became very Puritan with it, which is mm-hmm. the opposite of what punk was. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, punk, yeah, no, you're completely right on that. Continue. Yeah, so they fans became very Puritan, and so if bands didn't stick to the three chords and attitude, uh, the, a hard a segment of this community would just call them traitors. Uh, in the documentary West Way to the World, it's a Clash documentary I actually own. Joe nice. Strummer responds to this. Joe Strummer is uh, the rhythm guitarist and singer and main lyricist of the Clash. His response was, we were never your toy to begin with. 
which is just a great fuck you to that, that sentiment, Mike. And uh, so, yeah, that there's that segment that just holds on to like it. And they won't see it this way, but to me, that segment of punks are just as phony as the people they claim are phony. If you know what I mean, if, yeah, if that makes sense, they are it, just, they are more style than substance. It, it does. Like again, you know, I hung out with a lot of anarcho punks, and I'll be completely honest with you: none of them are anarcho, except for one. There's one, and you, I think we both know the guy. Um, who will be a punk and be a punk till the day he dies. Um, Zach, I, I, I can say his name because I'm not worried about him listening to the show or anything he's like that. Great. He's he's great. great. He's Yeah, Zach, Zach was a great guy. Um, but everyone else that I hung out with, like the, the gutter punk that I was saying, Drew, last time I saw him, um, he was a... Um, he Last time I saw him, I saw him at a... Was it a premiere video or a family video years later and like years ago? And he was dressed all in hip hop. Like he looked like he was, he wanted to be um, uh, a member of, uh, of the NWA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so that kind of, yeah, it, it, people like that typically just want, they're playing the role and they yep. like the fashion and like, you know, the, the surface ethos of the genre. Yeah. And that's where, you know, so The Clash did their first two albums, which were very much in line with that. And then they did London Calling in 79. Yes. And that is like a landmark. London Calling is one of the greatest albums out there. I don't give oh, a fuck who says it. It's I, in my I don't... top five. Honestly, yeah. it's in my top five. Because it's, it took that attitude and expanded the sound. Mm-hmm without sounding disingenuous about it yeah yep and then combat rock also high up on my list of albums that i love yeah and then in between those two they did a very weird experimental album with like hip-hop loops and stuff called sandinista i'm not familiar with that one the very i 20 years after i bought it i'm still struggling to sit through it just because it's so different interesting not that's not saying it's bad but at least it's artistically i can appreciate it even though i struggle with it just because it's not an easy listen to and so that kind of piggybacks on you know this band was not afraid of taking chances right and then then, uh so then we land in (laughs) so so praising these guys there there's Four principals, Paul Simonon, I'm butchering his name, but he was the bassist. Uh, yep. Mick Jones was the, he was the music guy. He was the only one who really knew how to play music in the band. Uh, drummer Topper Heaton, he was like the other guy who knew how to really play instruments. And Joe Strummer, the lyricist, uh, the edge, if you will, the raspy vocals, the things that people associate with punk. And so we're talking about Cut the Crap, which... Comes out after Combat Rock, which we both agree is a great album. Yep. That album kind of broke them into new areas because it had two singles off it that were did pretty well. Uh, Rock the Casbah mm-hmm. and Should I Stay or Should I Go? Yes, which uh, my favorite song on that album is Straight to Hell. 
By yeah, the way. straight to and they did that on Saturday Night Live, I think, and that's a really good live performance of that. Yes, one of their best songs. Yeah, and so they start finding the success, and then they. So the story of this album really comes down to a bad manager trying to be in the band. Didn't we talk about this already? Didn't, didn't <laughs> this is a very common <laughs> thing in music that not even the punks were immune to. Yeah. So they hired a, a manager, Bernie Rhodes, who was fired before for butting heads with uh, Mick Jones. Uh, he had a, he came up with some sort of contract, I, I think it was either with a label or with himself, that Mick Jones flatly refused to the sign because he had enough problems with the guy. So you get enough uh, whispering and all that. And plus internal conflicts with between Strummer and Jones, because they were for lack of a bet, they were the Lennon McCartney and Jagger uh, Richards, mm -hmm. you know, of this, of this genre, they were the big names and their creative you know, interpersonal relationship just blows out. Strummer has Jones fired. And then they and they also fire Topper Heaton, their talented drummer, due to heroinish drug addiction, mostly heroin, which is not uh that's not too scandalous, but firing your <laughs> the guy, your main uh co songwriter never bodes well. <laughs> yeah. Never. So they fire him, and they hire three, three unknowns to join the band. Two more guitarists. So now we, the Clash has three guitarists, like they're fucking Leonard Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a drummer. Uh, they hire these guys, yet uh, they don't, if they appear on the album, it's bare minimum. Because uh, the drummer was replaced with a drum machine. And, oh, uh, God. You know, so you have that. And then so they they set about to record this album. And this is where things start going south. Uh, you know, Strummer told people a lot of the conflict was that, you know, they're more melodic and more they're having these pop hits. Uh, and I don't know if Strummer felt it was like going against their punk image, which is just the dumbest thing to be worried about if you're at yep. this stage in your career, but it is what it is. You know, so, you know, that's one of the reasons Jones was let go. And he started telling people this album is going to be back to basics, street, like more street punk, like their debut album, The Clash. Oh, really? Okay. So. I didn't know. I didn't as know punk bands tell, had had a mariachi band. <laughs> as, you, as you can tell, that is not what happened. Like, I, could no. have, I could have appreciated if they were just trying to mimic the first album. At least it might. There is no way this album is going to be good. <laughs> uh, but uh, what happens is in, when they start recording it, Bernie Rhodes decides. Well, first they're like, well, anybody can write a, a punk song. So, like, they kind of, like, seeing what the other guys can do. This is not a good idea. Because, well, yes, anybody can write a punk song. Not a lot of people can write good punk songs. <laughs> and that was then just trashed. And then Bernie Rhodes decides he's going to be the music now that Mick Jones is gone. 
And then Strummer and him clash over the production of this and the making of it. And I swear to God, and I've watched some YouTube videos of critiques, and this has come up. It sounds like on half the tracks, he doesn't even care anymore. Like, he himself knows that this is an embarrassing album. Right. It's just a mess. Uh, There is one kind of... This album is so bad, it's never been a part of any of the box sets they've released. Uh, Mick Jones and uh, Paul Simonet have stated that it's not really even considered a Clash album to them since half the established band isn't even on it. Joe right. Strummer disowned it. Uh, there's one track on here, This Is England, that people generally consider okay, and that has appeared on some of the compilation albums. Which you know, I I guess I don't have a. It's an all right song. It's not the best Clash song, but it's I've the best on the Clash album. Song. I've heard worse Clash songs with their uh, classic lineup, so I'm not gonna shit on that too much. But <laughs> so they record this album. Uh, Strummer's he's upset about the production. Because again, he's bat- batting heads with this this chucklehead manager who's you know, <laughs> again he's this guy, this Bernie Rhodes guy man, he's got a history and um, uh, he he they're gonna plan a tour after the album's released and Strummer vanishes to Spain <laughs> and he, oh, nobody can get a hold of him. At one point, he considered suing the label to not release the album. He's, oh my god! He basically, says I'm not touring anymore. He wants to disband the band. Uh, there's a brief window between that where Bernie Rhodes goes to the other guys in the band and say, "Hey, we can replace them because the Clash has always been more of an idea, not the guys." Oh my god! The dumbest, uh, dumbest fucking premise you could ever imagine. I mean, even Kiss needs at least. A couple original members. <laughs> oh, Gore needs at least a couple original. Gore, Gore, Gore needs a couple. Yeah, yep, yep. So this ha- that happened. That's being batted around. Meanwhile, Mick Jones is, is you know, he, he put out lawsuits to ban them from using the name The Clash, which results in the song, the cringy "We Are the Clash." In this. Uh, it was just a mess. Strummer then disbands it. He's like, the clash is over. And ironically, his next project is he works on Mick Jones's big audio dynamite album, co-producing oh. and co-writing songs on it. So, yeah, it's it's a very weird set of circumstances where you can almost just straight up blame a bad manager on everything that went wrong with this. Oh, boy. Yeah. And the weird part is, and listening to it, the production is a huge, huge what the fuck throughout. But there are, there is like one or two songs. Yeah, two songs that I kind of like. There's moments where I think if they would have just changed the lyrics, it would have been a better song. But overall, it was... This album became its own uh, 
the title alone is like the perfect one star Amazon review of this of itself. So you're gonna disagree with me here, but I didn't think it was that bad of an album. That's fine. There's a lot of people who actually like this quite a bit. It's gotten like you know, upon over the years, people seem to find to appreciate it. Like I said, there's songs. There's two songs on here I really like, but the rest I'm just. And what are those two songs? May I ask? Uh, three card trick. Okay. Which is uh, so I like three card trick because it's weird. It, this dynamic in theory shouldn't work, but Joe Strummer's raspy, raspy vocals works incredibly fucking well with reggae. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's why I love that. And I like this is England. This is England is it could be uh, it, it, so if I may what I felt about this album was I didn't know I did not look into this album because I really wanted to hear the story from you. Um I f- thought you were going to tell me that this was more of like a B-side album like these were on on you know tracks that were left out and that they just kind of came together and the remaining members came together and just kind of made work. That was my thought with the whole thing. Um, so I'm kind of surprised to hear that this was like a um, an actual cohesive, we went in and started from scratch album. <laughs> you could technically call it that. Uh, Paul Simon in the bassist only, even according to the Wikipedia entry, plays on some songs. Yeah, like I said, it felt like to me like this was a lot of like B-sides and just unfinished works that they went back and finished. Yeah, um, which is weird I, because, again, they had that back to basics and a lot of this sounded like outtakes from Combat Rock. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It sounded like a lot of leftover, you know, Combat Rock tracks. And, I mean, I'm sorry, but Movers and Shakers, when you have that mariachi trumpet going – that is the farthest thing that you can go from punk rock. I was giggling like a schoolgirl when I heard that. I was like, I looked, I was listening in the car with my wife and I went, is that a mariachi band? And she just went, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is like, they have like these really anthemic and anthemic uh, tracks and choruses, which I really like. It, it, it just, it gets, it's oddly buried in the mix and with very uh, cringy, the lyrics especially we are the clash like that could have been a better song than it was mm-hmm. yeah we are the clash should have been a better song than what it was it's it's we are the clash by the clash it should have been a better song <laughs> well Lord. i mean if, if you're gonna do mock mark two of your band you shouldn't have to have a statement song <laughs> we are the clash like people know who you are you already have this is your sixth album like nobody's confusing you with anybody well else. that's that feels more like a middle finger to the other two members, doesn't it? Yeah. Which is, if you're going to do a middle finger, you might as well. If you're going to middle finger former members, it better be like No Vaseline by Ice Cube. Right. Or you know, or put like a, a tinny snare drum in there for the whole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Say fuck you to, to, to the old drum, to the old bassist. <laughs> So basically, what we're talking about is this is um, this is Metallica's Saint Anger Mach One, is what you're telling me here. 
in a sense, it was mostly session musicians, drum machines, Joe Strummer, and Bernie Rhodes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, which kind of goes also against that whole concept of a you're a punk band and you want to go back to basics, and you're using session musicians and drum machines. Like, what makes you any different from Gilmer at this point? <laughs> God. Damn it, Gilmer! Yeah, this is yeah. Cut the crap is the momentary lapse of reason of punk. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it sounds it sounds like it. It sounds like it. Um, that is uh, yeah. It is there momentary lapse of reason? But with better tracks, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. At least better, <laughs> more catchy tracks. Although, yeah. So <laughs> I knew right away. The production on this was fucked before even I when I read up on any of it. I had a good a certain idea from old interviews I read with Joe Strummer. Yeah, he's like just one of my musical and uh, you know philosophical heroes. The guy was just fucking great. Mm-hmm. But when it starts off with the dictator and the the television sample is at the same volume as <laughs> oh, as, oh, your, as your band track oh, and God. it doesn't relent. <laughs> So, so both times, uh, there, there was three times I was listening to this, or I mean, in the car, I've listened to this album a lot, by the way, for this, but the first time in the car and the, I, I was listening by myself and I was like, what the, I was looking at my cell phone. I was like, is, is something, is YouTube playing on my phone and turn it down. I realized, no, it's coming from the album. I'm driving with my, I'm driving with my wife. And she turns it down. She's like, did you hear like someone talking? I'm like, yeah, no, it's the song. And she's like, oh, my God, that's obnoxious. Then I'm driving with my daughter. And she's like, is the radio on with the Bluetooth? (laughs) (laughs) I seriously thought that, too, when I was driving around listening to this running errands today. I was like, Jesus, is like it. Somebody playing like a really loud TV somewhere (laughs) or a radio like talking Mm -hmm. It was like, oh Christ! It's <laughs> oh, it's uh, so bad. It was the it was very very poor production. Yeah, it's that to me was like that was the hint of like, there's songs on here. If you stripped away the the, the highly questionable production value, like this would have been a lot better album. <laughs> But there's still just like the some of the cringier things, uh, dirty punk, which follows yep. this. I was just like, oh god, you guys already have your your punk credentials. You don't need to, you know, like <sighs> it was cringy. Dirty punk was cringy. It's, yeah, it's just what are you doing? Like, you know, they're obviously at this point they're lost at sea. You know, like yep. with your main music guy who was your songwriting partner for how many years you fire them and this is where you're you know a band is you know they've lost one of their legs and like they're trying to walk but they're hobbling and falling all over yeah they lost the plot with that one um so let's talk about low lights on this since we're there dictator i hated it just again it was poorly poorly mixed dirty punk yeah dictator i think would have been a better song if they just cut out the television sample yeah <laughs> or used it as like uh, an accent instead of a, a part of the band 
Yes. Yeah. It, it, Dirty Punk wasn't that great. We Are the Clash was serviceable. It was serviceable. Yeah. Um, are you red? Why? What the fuck is that? Um, cool Under Heat. I have a... God, it was... It, the chorus isn't that great. Um, it, you know, Movers and Shakers. Again, the mariachi made me laugh, so I, I was all for it. <laughs> Uh, like when I heard that mariachi trumpet, I was like, "All right, <laughs> all right." I thought I was having a stroke, honestly. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> is that what a stroke's like? I smell, uh, I smell burnt toast and hearing mariachi music. Yeah, so really, the whole side A is shit. Then you get to the B side, which and is, it kind of picks it up. It's kind of yeah, which has the better songs on it. it as this is England, three card trick, North and South, and Life is Wild, which are yeah. you know now. Of all these songs, only one made it to my playlist, which was This is England. Yeah. But there was definitely way more serviceable. Yeah. There was more potential, I think, on the second side of this album. Mm hmm. Like, so, uh, yeah. Go, no, go, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. It seems like, uh, yeah, so the second side, it seemed like there was just more of an effort. It was more interesting. Like, if they would have just scrapped side A, released this as an EP, and worked a little harder on side B as an EP, I think it would not be as derided as it is. I mean, it already has the baggage of being the the one album that doesn't have all the all the classic members on. That's mm -hmm. a, that's just what always going to happen with those sorts. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Genesis works. Pink Floyd. Not really. This kind of falls in between, maybe. It's, just, yeah. it's not as good as their heyday, but it's serviceable, like you said. Yeah, it's serviceable, which, you know, which, which, again, I mean, I think at the time, I can imagine when it came out, people were pissed. But over time, it's not that bad. And I could have seen, I would like at least one more you know, Clash album, kind of seeing where they would have gone with it, uh, honestly. Um I think if they had switched side A and side B, I think it probably wouldn't be as uh, as awful. I mean, I could see where people didn't make it to the fucking B side. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely, Paul. Absolutely. I barely made it to the B side. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, and that's kind of it. Also, you get the B side, you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is so bad. But the mariachi band kind of pissed everybody off. <laughs> and don't yeah. get me wrong. I love a good mariachi band. And, and, uh, yeah, it's good. But, and I really like Three Card Trick. And with the, what I like about Three Card Trick is it kind of gives us a glimpse into what Strummer's solo work is going to be. Yes. His solo work really had that reggae vibe. Like, he had a studio in Jamaica. And, man, like, I really love his solo albums. And, like, this kind of – this is like – because, I, you know, I haven't heard this album really ever before this. Uh, it kind of it's kind of cool to see the DNA of that. Yeah, in this. Yeah. And the thing about this guy went on to do fucking soundtracks. Oh, God. You know, Rose Point Blake soundtrack he did. Uh, yeah, yep. he was uh, he was super talented. He uh, produced the Pogues. Yep, and I love the Pogues. I, I buy the I, I mean I don't know if you've ever had the Pogues whiskey, but I don't like whiskey, and it's goddamn good whiskey. Oh, I'll have to look into that. I'm not a whiskey guy either. I I I don't like hard alcohol. It just it hurts. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, too no. Much. 
drink. I'm not a fan of whiskey either, but I saw it at my at my local um, uh, liquor store. And I was like, I had was having a party coming up. Like, I'm totally gonna buy the Pogues whiskey. I thought everyone was gonna be like, "Oh, cool, Pogues whiskey." And I'm like, "It's Pogue whiskey." And people are like, "What? Who?" I'm like, <laughs> "God, why, why, why am I friends with you right now?" <laughs> but it's it's actually really, really good fucking whiskey. Um, check that out. If I was there, I would have known Paul. I would. I would have been. I would next time. Next time I have it. Next time I have a party, you can you can come down here. Um, <laughs> Once I'll bring Voldemort's. my Metallica beer with me. <laughs> nice, yeah. Oh boy, um, yeah. You know, you can fucking when 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 Voldemort D is all was is over with. Yeah. Okay, Voldemort D. God damn Voldemort. God damn Voldemort, ruining my shit. You're ruining my shit, Voldemort. <laughs> you and Gilmer. <laughs> God damn it. But yeah, yeah. So getting back to. This album, it, it, it's not a total wash. Uh, like, no. like we've said, uh, the side B is, there's the potential. Uh, I don't know why it's buried by the avalanche of horseshit that it's side A, but, yeah, but even really then it's not the worst stuff. We've heard worse on this. We've this heard worse. Like, this we've is <laughs> this, this Amanda Lear, this is not. No. Saying anger, this is not. It's no. just, it's a band that lost a vital, lost two vital members. Uh, yeah. Due to, one due to out of their control, drug addiction is what it is. The other was them just tripping their, over their own dick and firing like the most talented guy in their band. Well, you know, and it's, 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 you know, you, I know we, we pulled from the, from the, from the list of shit, the wheel of the wheel of awful here, Joe, you're going to have to dig deeper. Oh, because because is this is I mean maybe this was like I lucked out and this was like the most I think serviceable. You lucked out. <laughs> I okay, think you lucked out. Lucky number seven, people. Lucky number seven. Um. <laughs> so what were kind of I mean, do we know what the reviews were at the time and like the reception of it, like what uh, people were yeah, saying at the, the time? The reception was generally. Uh, negative it just uh it was the production style a lot it just was not it's not it wasn't generally well liked and it it it, when the guy who made the album you know joe strummer doesn't like it that's kind of going to be shared it's gotten a new life as people are able to like break away from the baggage of you know, I think when this came out, a lot of people were, you know, oh, you fire. It's never good when you fire members from your band. Yeah. And that kind of jades public perception of that. It also, you know, it's this is now 40, almost 40 years later. And I think people, while not generally embracing it as like London Calling, I think there's a lot of people who are just kind of warmed up to it in a sense well and i'll say this i mean it's a position in the u.s billboard 200 was 88 that's that's not bad that's not bad but it's also following a combat rock so yeah yeah and this is what i was gonna say this is something i really want to say about this album which was is it a bad album Uh, is it a bad clash album 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Is it is it a bad album? I mean, the Clash are, regardless of what it is, it's still the Clash, and the Clash are really good. Um, but I mean, you know, even with Mick Jones gone, but in terms of like a bad album, um, I didn't. I, no, I didn't come away from a headache. I didn't come away being like angry, like I have with some of our other albums that we've listened to. But at the same time, it was depressing. I mean, it's you know, it's years away from the Clash, like from when I was really into punk and into the Clash and yeah. things like that. Um, so it was far enough away that I was able to kind of go, "This isn't that bad." Like I said, I really thought it. W- I really thought I was going to hear like they fired the person, you know, they fired Mick Jones, and then they just had a bunch of leftover stuff, and Joe Strummer and the remaining members just filled in the the void on what was missing on those tracks and this is what you got because it really does like i said earlier in this feel like a b like a like a like leftover album of their other works um and not a true solo yeah well it it's probably to me feels more solo like a strummer solo album just because it's the marked absence of Mm -hmm. Jones. And his pop pop sensibilities, which kind of, you know, it, those song, his songs broke up more yes. of the, the strummerish uh, angst, which was you know was nice, and he kind of added a little sheen to it and tightened songs up and could play guitar, and we'd get a little solos instead of whatever the fuck we're hearing on this album. Yeah, whatever the I, I fuck we got. I don't want to call them solos, because I'm not sure if that's what it legally should be called. But Yeah, it's it's something. But again, I, I will say I was grateful. I, I was, at the end of the day, I was grateful, considering that we pulled this from the wheel of shit. Um, yeah. That I was like, okay, all right. I don't hate life right now. Like, I didn't come into this hating life. That said, I was entirely... No, and that's boy howdy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, as far as I guess, let's let's get to recommendations. Um, I'll start. I would recommend B. I'd recommend side B. Um, look at it as an EP and listen to this is England three card trick. Um, you know, play to win, finger pop, and you know that that look at it as an EP. Forget the whole first side. Forget you know the first six tracks and focus on the the last six tracks. That's that's my but recommendation. But even then, this is England. It'll probably be the only one of those that'll make it on any mix. It, it, it's the only one that made it on my mix. It and was the it, only yeah, one. It's the only one that'll make it on any of my mixes. It's just uh, and it, again, it just felt kind of half baked. At times too, so it's just it's hard to justify putting any of these other songs on there. It, it is, and I will say again, we've listened to albums where I've went, I'm absolutely putting nothing from this album on my mixes. <laughs> so the fact that we walked away with one was a win. <laughs> you didn't put any mandolier on any of your mixes. Uh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't put any music from the Elder on my list. Oh God, what's wrong with me? Cher covered a song from that. <laughs> and Cher can have it. Cher did a better job, damn it. A world without heroes, Paul. A world without heroes. Oh, God damn my life. <laughs> yeah, um, I would, uh, I'd recommend maybe uh, 
the three, <laughs> five out of the six on side B, which uh, not a ringing endorsement, but uh, not the worst we've heard. It 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 suffers from. You can listen when you hear it in the album. There's a key element missing, and that is Mick Jones. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just that that lack of presence is felt. Mm-hmm. So yes, go in and you know you got to go in knowing that that's just it. It's sorely missing, and I think he would have added more to these songs had he not gotten fired. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think I think there's a lot of songs on here that wouldn't have been put on had he not been fired. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, I, um, I want to bring this up because this came across my radar today, and I wanted to bring this up. And this is since we got time, um, I wanted to discuss with you. Um, I saw what culture yesterday put out their top ten perfect rock albums of the 1990s. Did you see this list? No. And I wanted to run it by you. Are you cool with that? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So number 10 for the best albums of the 1990s is Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. Agree or disagree? Wait, are these perfect albums or just good albums? Nope. Perfect rock albums. I'm. It's titled. Oh, disagree. Yeah. It's titled 10 Perfect Rock Albums of the 1990s. Yeah. Thank you. Disagree. I di- disagree. <laughs> I disagree. There's good songs on there. A lot of really good songs on that album. Really good songs on that album, but also a lot of filler. Yeah. All right. 10 by Pearl Jam. Disagree. Agreed with you. I disagree as well. Wildflowers by Tom Petty. Disagree. All right. Blood Sugar Sex Wait, where Magic. Where do you stand on that? I'm, I'm with you. No, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you at all. Um, Blood Sugar Sex Magic by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Very much disagree. That is uh, not a perfect album. It is not a perfect album. No, they had much better albums. The Black Album by Metallica. It's close, but I'll still disagree. I, yeah, I mean. It's very close to a perfect album. You know what? No, very close. that's a perfect album. I'll just say it. The Black Album is it's pretty solid front to back. It's it's their lean, mean fighting machine album. Uh, all killer, no filler. I'll say it that yeah, Black Album's. A, I'm not one to say there are perfect albums, but because I think that perfect's thrown around too loosely. But for the sake of argument for this list, Metallica, I'll give it. I'll give it to them. <laughs> Would you say congratulations, metal fans? You now have your equivalent of Dark Side of the Moon to the Black Album? <laughs> Dark Side of the Moon's not a perfect... You know what? I take it back. Black Album's not perfect. Dark Side of the Moon's not perfect. There you go. Yeah, no, they really they say that in here. Congratulations, metal fans. You now have your equivalent of Dark Side of the Moon. And I went, no, you don't. <laughs> I... Uh, anything... Uh, Yeah, it, I can't even think of what would be an equivalent to that, but whatever. Let's go on. All right, we're moving on. And I have to agree with you that I don't think it's the perfect album. It had a lot of really good songs on it. I yeah. don't think it was perfect. Uh, number five, What's the Story, Morning Glory by Oasis? No, God, no. <laughs> Again, good songs, not the perfect album. 
Dirt by Alice in Chains. Nope, a lot of really good songs on it, but that's not a perfect album. OK Computer by Radiohead. Nope. See, I disagree. I do think that's a perfect album. It's good. It's really good, but I don't think it's a perfect album. Uh, I think it's it's solid. I mean, there's one track on it, but I thought that was a good palate cleanser. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you and say that I think that's one of the uh, that that is a perfect album of the '90s. Uh, number two, Dookie by Green Day. Nope. No, not a perfect album. They had better albums even after that. And number one was Nevermind by Nirvana. Nope. <laughs> no. No. So Far for you, on Nevermind from me. <laughs> Yeah, there was, was there good songs? Yes. Was there a lot of shit? Yes. Yeah. I, this is why I wanted to talk about this, because I was looking at this going, perfect album. For me, there was one out of ten. For you, there was zero out of ten. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, if you were to sit here and say albums that had great singles of the 90s, I would say, yeah, that's top ten. You, you, you know, there might be some here or there. I, I think there's things that they're definitely missing from the 90s. It's 10 years of fucking music. And you're only yeah. giving it 10, tr- 10 albums. But n- only one in my mind was a perfect album. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, perfect albums are few and far between. And none of those in my mind were perfect. Uh, in fact, it, it, a lot, the, almost all that list is uh, nostalgia porn, I think. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to Nevermind, and I love Pearl Jam 10, but yep. that's not perfect. I mean, it's when people throw around perfect, I think, again, they throw around loosely, and I just I cringe when I see that because I just know I'm not going to find one perfect album on that list, and here we are. I see, and this I, was, I, I, I honestly don't think there really is a perfect album. I honestly. This is, this That's is why like, I brought it up to you, because I know you and you and I think the same way when we see the word perfect album. We're going, all right, let's dig in. What yeah. do you got for me? <laughs> yeah, and most of that was just like just nostalgia. Like, I think OK Computer was like their curveball. Uh, and I really like OK Computer. But again, I, I honestly don't think there's a perfect album. Uh, it's, it's just it's just it's such a high bar. It is. It is and a high bar. I have tons of albums and albums i really 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 fucking love but uh they all have flaws in them i mean they this, do this podcast alone we we point out the flaws on stuff we we enjoy yo yeah we do yeah it's, it's warts and all with us yeah um you know we're not gonna bullshit you uh and we'll tell you what it is and what it isn't um you know and I think that's what I love about this podcast. You and I can sit there and look at things like that. Again, I also will admit I am a, I'm biased with when it comes to Radiohead. I am a Radiohead fanboy, like ridiculously. Um, so when I when I listen to OK Computer, I can listen to that thing all the way through and just I, I can ride a wave with it. That's why I think it is a perfect album. There, I mean, I can't do that even with Dark Side of the Moon. There's 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 tracks on there I don't want to listen to. Yep, on Dark Side of the Moon. Um, so, you know, and, um, so yeah, I think you're right though. I think it's very, very difficult to find if at all the perfect album. Yeah. I Um, I honestly don't think it exists. It's just, it's such a, there's albums for me that come close, but I just, perfect, very specific word. Uh, 
that and it's just it, it I think bands should uh, strive to make the perfect album and I think the ones that do end up with the really good ones but yes it's just it's it was that that was a list of pretty okay albums from the 90s I would yeah. agreed yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. But you're right. It was total nostalgia porn. That's why I wanted to bring up because I read the list. I'm like, Joe's got to hear this fucking list because these are not perfect albums. Uh, like I said, there was the one in my mind. I'm like, okay, you guys got one out of 10. Um, all right, Joe, what about you for recommendations? Uh, what would you say for, uh, I got, got us off track completely. What well, is your recommendation? I would just say uh, side B, EP, it, listen to that. It's Go in and knowing it's not a... It, it, there's a, like a key element missing and you, you're going to notice it, but yeah. Side B and listen to that. Otherwise, honestly, this is an easily skipped album of theirs. So. All right. Now check it out. If you're interested, Joe, what do you have going on at the showdown? Well, Last week we did the the 1978 When a Stranger Calls. Oh uh, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, a perfect 20 minute short film that got padded out into <laughs> oh an hour and a half long uh, schlubby detective noir, but whatever. <laughs> and now uh, this week we'll be uh, reviewing The Exorcist, one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Excellent, excellent. I'm excited to see what Joe's Brown's take is going to be on that one. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> That's going to be really, really interesting. All right, well, and all I have is this podcast. So, And like I said, we're caught up. Um, I got to get them up on the Joe down. Um, but on that, we're caught up. So that's nice. You should see um, last week's come up uh, tonight on um, SoundCloud and on YouTube. Cool, cool. So... Um, don't you have a question for me, Joe? Yeah, what's your next pick? So it's Halloween. It's uh, October. I, I love the fact that you're doing Halloween month well, at the Joe Down because Halloween is my Christmas, right? Same here. I love Halloween. I absolutely love Halloween. Halloween falls on a Sunday, which is nice um, because I usually take I, – I, I will spend PTO on Halloween. I will not work on Halloween. Um, and uh, we're going to do – Rob Zombie's Dragula. Dragula? You mean Hillbilly Deluxe? Yeah, I'm sorry. Hillbilly Deluxe. My God. I have the single. Uh, oh. Yes, Hell, Hillbilly Deluxe. <laughs> your, your podcast partner had to tell you the <laughs> This is already a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that in. I, I'm leaving that in. I'm leaving that in, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I, I will own that. I will I will own that uh, that air, um, yes yes we're gonna do hell um, hellbelly deluxe, awesome, yeah oh. I saw him on that tour so, ooh so you're gonna have a lot to say on that yeah I will that's awesome so yep we will be doing hellbelly deluxe the thirteen tales of cadaverous cavorting inside the spook show international. <laughs> <laughs> Which was his uh, which was his debut solo album yeah. without uh, White Zombie. Yep, and the only solo album of his I've ever enjoyed. Well, we're gonna get into that, aren't we? Yeah, we will. 
yeah, there's a lot to say about this and a lot to say about that album and just everything in general. Because I like to talk about, you know, because I don't, there's so many, there's there's other, like, I, I listen to albums and I go, man, I really want to do that album, but we've already talked about that artist, so I'm not going to do that for way, way off, right? So I like to talk about the band and the when, when we're there and we can do it. Um, Genesis and Phil Collins was kind of a, um, I mean, there was a lot of overlap there, but you know, that's for good reason. I, I do think we do need to do a Genesis with, with just Phil Collins, um, at some point, uh, which I will bring up. <laughs> what about the Genesis without Phil Collins from the late night? All, all stations calling. Trust me. That's on the list. That's on the list, buddy. <laughs> I know that album name, but I didn't know fucking Rob Zombie's uh, album name. What the fuck's wrong with me? <laughs> All right, bud. Well, with that, do you want to take us out? No, God. Joe.